What up, guys? It's JP from The Chase Down, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? And we promised you guys a rookie review, and that's what we're doing today. We're going to go through some of the 2021 rookies, um, mainly the relevant ones. There's a few ones that haven't really even gotten playing time or have been stuck in the G League. We're not going to talk too much about those guys, but we're going to give you the relevant guys and what we've thought about their rookie year so far. So do you want to start this one off? Just yeah. going first overall pick? Let's do it. Yeah, we're going to go one through 30. Um, and then we'll you know highlight some of the standout second round guys. Uh, Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State has been pretty excellent. We've talked about him a good amount. So like anybody who listens to our podcast has a general idea what Cade does. Uh, but 17 points, 5.7 rebounds, 5.6 assists, shooting about league average, a little bit under from three. Um, he's not a crazy athlete, but he is really good at pick and rolls. He's really good with the ball in his hands, making the right reads and being willing to pass the ball to other people. That's basically what we've seen this year. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good um, description of him. I think what we've seen from him as like the positives is he does. He does have playmaking touch. Um, he's really good at getting to his spots and he's a great catch and shoot shooter those are the traits that i've seen from him that really excite me there's also a few statistics out there that are bonkers um he's one of the worst two-point finishing players in the league and he has the lowest free throw rate of any rookie in the last decade so those are weird weird stats for a guy that passes the eye test for me like when I watch him I'm like this guy's a multiple time all-star I'm not worried about him at all but some pretty strange stats coming out there for Cade but I think Detroit has a good one on their hands I do too I didn't know the free throw rate was as bad as it was so that's that's pretty interesting um his assist to turnover rate is also not great um you know he's a rookie it's bad but he's a rookie um but the thing that I really like to see is he is willing to try lots of different types of passes. Um, we've shouted out the Thinking Basketball YouTube channel, but they made a good video talking about some of the things Cade does well. And the skip passes across the corner to the opposite end uh, for corner threes, he does that very well. Um, just being able to see that is something that not a lot of guys can do, especially as a rookie. But I want to see his shooting get better. His three-point shot's a little ugly. Um, really? It's not that bad. He just holds it out in front of his face too much. I think, yeah, I, that's true. I think it's very pretty, though. It's not bad. If he brought it a little closer to his face, he'd be able to shoot it uh, with defenders closer to him. He'd be able to be more confident taking those shots. I think that's the problem. Because um, it isn't the ugliest thing in the world. There's lots of guys in the NBA with much uglier jump shots. It's just weird kind of how far he holds it out in front of his face. Yeah. Uh, just... I think my comp to him before he got drafted was Paul George or Jason Tatum. I think I still stand by that. I don't think he's this guy who should be playmaking all game long. I really don't. I think he's miscast as that. I think he would be really good um, with another guard next to him. And I'm sure we'll be doing some draft stuff soon um, for the upcoming draft. I would love if Jaden Ivey was his backcourt mate. I just think to have another guy to take the ball out of his hands would make things a lot easier for Cade. Um, but yeah, I just, I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's almost a lock to be an all-star multiple times in his career. Detroit obviously got a good player here at number one. Definitely. Um, um, I want to say though, 
I the the Jade and Ivy pick. We'll definitely make another episode pretty soon, probably talking about all this stuff. Yeah, Jade and Ivy would be great. I feel like Detroit's gonna go the route of developing him like a Luca. Um, and I don't know how great that'll work. I think it's it's promising that he's willing to pass so much as he is already. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have the sort of vision, the sort of passing vision that the best passers in the league have. Um, so definitely his ceiling's a little lower, but you know, as good as the Javen Ivy pick might be, I don't know if the Detroit's taken that route. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think in my opinion, I think that would be the wrong way to go about it. Um, we see Paul George operate with Reggie Jackson and they take turns running the pick and roll and it, they decimate teams. Um, the Clippers have been able to be successful with Paul George, Kawhi, and Reggie Jackson because their offense outscores everyone. Even though it's a defensively built team, they don't turn on the defense until the playoffs. So I just think, in my personal opinion, if I was Troy Weaver trying to build that team out, I would try to put emphasis on getting Cade a backcourt mate to help him facilitate. That's probably a good call. It definitely wouldn't hurt. That was what Killian Hayes obviously was supposed to be. Exactly. Um, did not work out. Moving to Jalen Green, the number two overall pick in the draft, shooting guard out of the G League. Um, he's scoring 16 points, has three rebounds a game and three uh, assists a game. I've had a little bit of a roller coaster with him this year. I thought it was one of the worst picks in the draft. I still do because I think there's a generational talent right behind him. But my opinion of, of him has grown. I think he definitely will make a couple all-star games and the comps I made for him were Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker and Zach Levine, like that, that type of player. And we're seeing now like Devin Booker's having his name thrown into the MVP conversation. So my idea of Jalen Green's ceiling has improved a little bit, but yeah, just like an unbelievable scorer. Um, The efficiency doesn't say so, but if you look at his numbers post all-star break, like there's clearly an improvement happening um three level scorer can get to the rack he baptized Jakob Pertle the other night um catch and shoot threes off the dribble threes he's kind of like snakes through defenses to get to the cup I I his game's really really smooth he, he passes the eye test for sure like like we've been saying all year like almost a guaranteed 25 point per game scorer at some point in his career yes I I honestly I think he'll be even higher Uh, Over the last 15 games, he's putting up 20 a game. Actually, after since the All-Star break, he's been putting up 20 a game, shooting above average from the field and from three on a Rockets team that's really terrible, really, really historically bad. Um, One thing Jalen Green does really well, too, um, he's another – this is another team that I'd love Jaden Ivey to go to, uh, is Jalen Green is explosive off the ball. He – cuts and then just jumps from like nine or 10 feet away from the basket. And they can throw lobs to him that pretty much nobody else in the NBA can go get. Yeah, um, They do it in transition a lot too, where he just, he goes wide and then he immediately cuts to the basket and jumps and they find a way to throw lobs to him. Um, his ability, there's not a lot of guys like it in the league who can just kind of jump and then figure it out while they're up there. Um, his, his bounce is stupid. What do you think about the G league, G league ignite path? What it like, what's your take on it so far? So Jalen Green's like the first prospect to come out of it. And he's just a very talented player. Like we agree, he'll probably make multiple all-star games. We've, we said that before he even got drafted. Um, There's a few G uh, G league prospects coming this year. 
that could have gotten a lot higher in the draft if they had just elected to go to school, I think. Um, it's one of those things where it shell shocks you and you're forced to play against grown men who know what the hell they're doing. And they're still fighting for jobs in the NBA. I think that's what people don't understand. It's like they're not content being in the G League. They're trying to play their best game of their life every single night because they want another opportunity at the league. Jalen Green just walked into that. And that's why he was so inefficient for most of the G League. And then just at the tail end of it, he started figuring it out. That's kind of what we're seeing again in the NBA with him. Like he hit the ground so hard. He was not doing well for like, I don't know, three fourths of his season. And then this last little stretch he's had, he's really turned it on. So I'm excited for next year. He's a player I think is going to take a pretty ridiculous leap. I, I think him and Anthony Edwards will be in conversation for the next two guards coming up. Yes, I, I totally agree. I like the the Donovan Mitchell comp. Um, Devin Booker, I didn't know, had the other skills that he had. He's a willing passer, and he's pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, I don't see a lot of willingness to pass the ball from Jalen Green. Maybe that's not his role at all right now on this team. Um, and if he was a dude who could put up 25 a game, they'd be giving him more ball handling duties. Um, but I see him kind of forever being more of a secondary scorer. I mean, that's what Devin Booker is for the most part. Um, right. This passing from him is brand new. Um, but I, you know, those are fantastic comps. Um, I'm going to give you the floor here for your guy, Evan Mobley, uh, out of USC. Yeah, Evan Mobley, seven-footer, unicorn, great vision as a passer, unbelievable defender, will win a defensive player of the year or just be on multiple first-team defenses, one of the two. Um, and he's just crafty. He gets his points in ways that it's just going to be hard to stop throughout his entire career. Um, the path for him being a 20 and 10 guy is so obvious. Um, he's been a third option all year long and he's still 15 and eight. And <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous what he's been able to do for this Cavs team. Um, I think the evolution of Darius Garland is obviously massive for this Cavs team, but I really do think having him paired with Jared Allen was the true turnaround for this Cavs team. They went from a team that was picking third in the draft to the seventh seed in the play-in right now. So I can't say enough about him. I think he still has the highest ceiling in the draft. I think he's going to be the best player in the draft pretty like by a large margin, in my opinion. Um, I, I just love the guy. Yeah, he's got the ability to do pretty much anything you would want a big man or forward to do. Um, he's not an excellent three-point shooter, but he's willing to take it, and I think he'll get better. Uh, he can handle pretty well for a dude of his size. His arms are so long, so it's kind of awkward seeing him do dribble moves, but he pulls them off. He does not turn the ball over very much. Yeah. Um, he makes smart passes. He, you know, he can score from the mid-range a little bit, and then inside he's got pretty good moves um finesse wise how do you do you like the idea of him being next to jared allen for his whole career i do or for at least a good chunk of it anyway i think i think for a good chunk of it i'm totally fine with that um i think they need to prioritize his offense above jared allen's next year i think that's a step that needs to be taken um i think it's fine that jared allen got his 17 and 11 but Mobley's a guy I envision one day averaging 22, 11, five and being in the defensive player of the year category um, to make that happen. You need to empower him. So 
yeah, I, I just I think Jared Allen's a fine pairing with him. They just need to surround him with a little bit of shooting. Darius Garland is obviously a great shooter, but Isaac Okoro, not really my favorite piece next to him. And they just need some three point shooting and he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, they had Lowry and he was injured for a whole long time. Kevin Love was a little bit streaky. They do need a good young forward that can shoot. Um, If they can find that in the draft, that would be excellent. Um, I wonder, I think Mobley eventually, you know, in a couple years when he's put on more muscle would be a pretty good five. Um, His help side defense is pretty great. And, I, you know, maybe you could put him in a role comparable to like Rob Williams, where you're not always guarding the center, but you're flying by uh, from the help side to block shots. But I think he could be a small ball five really, really effectively. I think that's kind of how they try to use him now. Obviously with Jared Allen out, he's just taking the brunt of things. But when Jared Allen was in, he would just come out of nowhere and just swap the shit out of something. And it was very similar to what the Celtics do with Rob Williams, very similar what the Bucks do with Giannis. Um, what the Lakers did with Anthony Davis. It's that type of defensive strategy that allows shot blockers to not take the physicality of being a center, but still impact the defense so much. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think they should do it more. I, I agree. Um, and, but you know, Mobley, his next step, his, uh, the way he grows next is by being allowed to run the offense a bit more. Um, allowing him to play make from the elbow, allowing him, you know, if you want to do some post offense, he could do that too. From the elbow, I think is where he'd be really good or dribble handoffs because um, his assists will go up and his ability to put the ball on the floor is always there. Um, I think that is what I want to see from him next season. I hope that that's what they go for. I'm with you 100%. I was screaming that from the rooftops in preseason. I was just like, let Darius Garland and Mobley run the entire offense and we'll be fine. Um, if you go back and watch his USC tape, it's so obvious he has the skill set to do that. And even in NBA games, watching him operate out of the short role, it's so obvious he has the vision and passing touch to like really facilitate. So, yeah, man, I know you like him. You Obviously, our listeners know I'm like in love with this dude. So unlimited ceiling for this guy. Yeah, there's a couple of guys that I think really will compete with him for the best player in the league. Um, you know, for at least the first five, six, seven years here, um, Scotty Barnes, the next next draft pick, is one of them. He's six foot nine. He is basically the mold of Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons was a little worse of a passer and yep. more confident shooting from anywhere on the floor, um, Scotty Barnes. Stones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Scotty Barnes got ball. Scotty Barnes is an excellent defender. He is a pest to Nikola Jokic. He can pass Marcus Smart. He can, you know, point guard to center. He will put a body on you and make it difficult for you the entire game. He is excellent in transition. Um, he does this play, kind of a signature play for him, where they give him the ball in transition and he just Eiffel Towers the ball up into the air and goes by people and dunks. Yeah. Um, he is incredible as an athlete. I don't know what his ceiling could be, but I think it's very high. His ceiling is like multiple all NBA teams to me because yes. he's so great at both sides of the court. I had the privilege to watch him play live and I texted you. I was like, this dude's a bull in a China shop. Like he's bigger, faster, stronger, quicker than everyone else on the court. And this is against guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. He's just so physically imposing. He's so fast. He's so athletic. 
And then you pair it with grit, heart, intelligence. Like he really, I'm a huge Scotty Barnes fan. Obviously Mobley's my guy, but Barnes, I mean, like if we go back to draft night while we were texting each other, I think me and you were both a little surprised they chose Barnes over Suggs, right? Suggs, we were like, this is Kyle Lowry's replacement for the next decade. And they'll be off and running again next year. They took a risk with a guy who, who had no jump shot. And it's worked out beautifully. He's unbelievable. And I think Toronto literally has a chance to have like a franchise guy for a decade. Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch at all. Um, This rookie contract, I think they're going, he's going to end up being one of the most undervalued guys in the league um, at the time of his rookie contract being up. Yeah, Um, yeah, because he can really do anything. His shooting is what's got to improve next. He's a 73% free throw shooter. And if you watched him shoot free throws the first half of his year at college, um, you'd be pretty impressed by that. He really did improve as the season got on, but he was bad in the beginning. Uh, But 73% for a rookie is definitely respectable. For a rookie who can't shoot, not bad at all. Um, He's had some stretches of hot three-point shooting, but for the most part, he's a negative there. Um, But I don't think that there's anything figured out about his jump shot. The way it looks now is not the way it's going to look probably even next season. I think Toronto probably did the best possible thing they could have in picking him. They've got such an interesting game plan where they just roll out four, six, nine guys at a time um, and pick them, you know, they'll guard two through five. And Scotty Barnes fits that mold perfectly. He would really be great on any NBA team, but I think the fact that he landed in Toronto was pretty perfect for him. Yeah, and that's that's how I'd like to finish up the Scotty Barnes thing. It's just like you fall into Nick Nurse's and Masai Ujiri's hands as just this raw ball of clay that has defensive potential, offense potential, playmaking potential. Like it was the perfect situation and they made an excellent pick with Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I agree. Um, so next one at the number five spot is Jalen Suggs. Yeah. Uh, drafted to the magic. He was our comp for him was a, you know, a B minus Kyle Lowry. He was a dude who brought a yeah. shit ton of heart to the team that he was uh, that he played in in college. He's basically been a winning player everywhere he's gone in, in his NBA or in his basketball life. Um, and now he's dropped in the Magic, and he sucked, and the Magic sucked. Um, he really took a while to get any sort of a footing under him. Um, and obviously, the second half of the season was slightly better, but there's not a great amount of promise from him his rookie year. I think he'll be fine. Um, But this was, he was a dude who we thought the top five picks in this draft were going to be locks for all rookie teams. Um, And he's the only guy out of the top five that really did not hit the mark. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, I'm a little saddened by it, honestly, because I really liked his game and I mean, you can, our listeners can go back. I think me and you were starting to get higher on him the closer we got to the season just because of his two-way potential. And, I mean, he the defensive side has been great. He's been a really good guard defender. He's 6'4", over 200 pounds, really buff. Like, he can stay in front of guys. The offense has been awful. It's been so bad, missing layups, missing really easy shots. I mean, we're talking about a guy here who's shooting 21% from three and 36% from the floor. That is just atrocious. Um, It's awful, awful, awful. I think some of it has to do with the fact he keeps getting injured. He's having trouble staying on the court. 
But even so, I mean, those number numbers are like actually terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really concerning. Um, I will never call a rookie or a second year player a bust. Um, I won't really go there because rookie year, you've got so much that you can improve upon, but he has so much that he has to improve upon going into, you know, his, his second year here, Orlando's still going to suck. So there's not a spotlight on him, which is a good thing. Um, but you know, there's a chance that Orlando gets a high draft pick and drafts a guard. If they get a top three pick and Jaden Ivy is available, they should take it. Um, cause I believe in Jalen Suggs. I, you know, his leadership has been great. I think he'll figure it out, but he hasn't shown anything yet that says that he'll figure it out. I just have faith in him. Yeah. I, I think that's fair at this point. Like I know me and you both like Kevin O'Connor a lot from the ringer. And he made the point in his little mock draft where it's like Jalen Suggs hasn't really proven that he can be anything in this league. I mean, he's struggled from the second he started playing in the NBA. Is it naive to think he's going to one day reach his potential? Like if Orlando, like you said, does get a high pick in the draft, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they tried to strike oil with a guy like Jaden Ivey. I mean, Jaden Ivey, is I think would be better in his rookie year than Jalen Suggs in his sophomore year. Absolutely. Um, I think unless I agree. we see, unless we see a kind of like jump that Cole Anthony made, but I don't think that that sort of thing is uh, replicatable. Right. So I'm just saddened by it because I really thought like a two way guard who could score and just facilitate and give his team like the winning mindset. That's what I anticipated um, I think the defense and the mindset is there. Unfortunately, the offense just has not come along. Um, I think, honestly, the Kyle Lowry thing might still end up being true because Kyle Lowry averages like 13 points a game. So like maybe that's what Jalen Suggs is from the start of his career. But I just anticipated it coming a little bit sooner than we're getting it now. The thing about the Kyle Lowry comparison, he also took a while for anybody to care about him. Um, he was not doing too much his first couple of years in the league. Uh, Toronto was a spot where he really started to build his reputation. Uh, I think, honestly, if Jalen Suggs was drafted to Toronto, we wouldn't be saying anything bad about him. I think how you do your rookie year, a lot of it has to do with the franchise you get drafted to. We see a lot of these franchises that cannot fix rookies, that can't develop them in any way. You know, how, where is Mo Bomb at right now? Um, how much better is he than he was his rookie year? Um, the magic are like the Kings to me where I just pray for every, uh, every rookie that gets drafted to those teams, because I know they're going to have to figure it all out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. The magic have been desolate for quite some time. Um, I think it's completely fair. I mean, it's, it's weird because Franz Wagner just got drafted there and he's been so good right away. We'll talk about him in just a little bit, but maybe we need to start giving the Orlando magic a little more credit. We'll see with the 2022 draft as well, but maybe this is the turning of the tides. It's possible. It's possible. We'll talk about friends when we get there. Um, I, you know, Cole Anthony made a jump too. Uh, there's just a lot of young guys in Orlando and it's not, I'm not excited about most of them. Right. <laughs> I think that's completely fair. Yeah. So let's move on to another uh, pretty shocking pick at the time. Uh, OKC really was not expected to take Josh Giddy with Kaminga on the floor uh, still being available. I really thought they were going to go with Kaminga. 
I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad these two guys ended up where they ended up. Josh yeah. Giddy is a weird prospect. Yes. He is six foot eight. Um, his his scout uh, report when he got drafted is the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, his pros, his cons were like every single feature of basketball was what they said he was bad at. Ball handling, shot creation, uh, passing vision, all of it. Um, he's an excellent passer really sees the floor incredibly well. He is him and Oscar Robertson are two of the only rookies to have ever put up three consecutive triple doubles. Um, he's got a very weird game. It's hard to gauge. Yeah. He's got this like weird herky jerky thing going for him. Cause he's really not an athlete. Um, like at all, he's going to be a poor defender his entire career just because of how slow he is. But on the offensive end, it kind of like goes in his advantage a little bit, like his stop, start, crossover type of moves just get him to the hole. Um, I know me and you, I think it might have just been me, but I soured on him moving into the, the season because I was like, this guy's not going to be able to blow past anybody. He's just going to be stuck at the perimeter and he can't shoot a lick. The three-point shooting has not come around, but he has been able to get to the hole way better than I thought. He's using his physicality. He's obviously six foot eight. So he's bigger than most guys guarding him. Um, and we both knew he was going to be a passing wizard in this league. I mean, we, we, you can just watch a highlight tape of him in the NBL and you can see it right away. So I think they kind of struck gold with him to be completely honest. I mean, I didn't anticipate him being this good. He has like he had three straight rookie of the months in uh in the Western Conference, and he was averaging 17, 6, and 6 until he got hurt post-All-Star break. So I don't know. He's he's such an interesting pick because like his career, his swing skill, three-point shooting drastically rises his ceiling, or he just stays like a really good role player for a really long time. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Right now he's shooting, I think, 26%. Yeah. Uh, from the three-point line, 71% from the free throw line. Um, nothing really smooth or pretty about his jump shot at or beyond the free throw line. Um, his floater game around the hoop is really pretty. His touch is excellent, but yep. there's just something really awkward about watching him shoot free throws and threes that he just hasn't figured it out yet. There's so much effort that goes into it. Just yes. getting the shot up looks like a chore. Yes, I. that's a perfect way to describe it. Um, he is a dude who's really good at driving and kicking. He's not very quick, so he's not good at blowing by people, but he has really good handles. Um, he's not going to wow you with crossovers and step backs and stuff, but you're really not going to take the ball from him. Um, and he's good at getting to his spots and then finding open guys. I don't know where he goes from here. Um, a league average three-point shot would do wonders for his game. I you agree. can say that about so many rookies. It's true, but for him specifically, because he's at the guard spot, like if Scotty Barnes and Mobley suck at threes forever, you can still see a, like a path where they're multiple-time all-stars, right? Yes. For him, I just feel like it's a dependent skill almost because he's so bad at it at the guard spot. It's going to be tricky to kind of work a lineup around him. Yes, and unless he puts on a significant amount of muscle, and he's just, going to be a guard forever. Yes, I, I. that's a great call. Like, if he just beefs up and he can just get to the paint at will, then we don't care. He's but not at, even 20 years old yet. Right, but at this point in time, his skill set, we need. We probably need to see a little bit of improvement with the jump shot. But honestly, 
what a pick from Sam Presti. Me and yeah. you texted each other in shock when the pick was made. Um, we, I think me and you had a mock draft where he was going to Golden State at 14 or something at one point in time. We might have. We might have. Yeah, so, yeah, Giddy, I like him. I'm interested to see him next year. Um, what are your thoughts on the Golden State Warriors pick at seven, though? At the time... I was a little iffy about it. You know, we we can go look back at our pre-draft talk, and I said it really depends on where Kaminga lands. Yep. Um, and he landed in probably one of the best spots he could have ever landed in. I could not have imagined the impact that he brought to the Warriors his rookie year. Could not imagine it. Um, he's had a whole bunch of over 20-point games. Um, his offensive rebound ability is pretty crazy. He flies from pretty much anywhere. His athleticism's nuts. Uh, and they're really molding him into the kind of forward that can guard the best player on the team, regardless of who it is. Um, he's really quick. And I, you know, I could not have nicer things to say about how well Jonathan Kaminga has played. He really has blown me away. Yeah, he's drawing Giannis and Kawhi Leonard comparisons from Steve Kerr and the owner, Joe Lacob. Um, Kaminga, his potential kind of is unlimited, honestly. When you watch him play, you see a 99th percentile athlete just soaring through the sky, dunking on people. It's pretty amazing to watch. And he already kind of has the fundamentals that not a lot of rookies do. Like, he's so disciplined on the defensive end. Like, the Warriors are comfortable putting him on LeBron James for the majority of a game. Like that's really how, how much more confidence can you put in a rookie than that? Um, I'm super excited to see how he grows as his role gets bigger and bigger and bigger throughout the years. Me too. They really, for the most part, he's been on a pretty short leash. He's now that the, you know, the second half of the season, he's been playing a lot more. Yeah. Um, first half of the season, he was barely getting any run. Uh, and the minutes that they've played him now, he's just been so valuable, man. His plus minus numbers don't really show it um, because I think a lot of the time they use him is when they've got injured guards and, you know, Steph's been out, Clay's been out. Um, they haven't always been at their strongest when he's been in the game. It's really been like a, we need an extra body come save us. And he's been doing it. He has, you know, I said already a handful of 20 plus point games. He's got some really efficient games too. It feels like they can throw the ball to him in transition. And it's almost a guaranteed bucket with how fast he moves and how high he gets up. Yeah. He's one of those players where you blink and then his head's above the rim. Yeah. Like he just catches people by surprise. Um, yeah, man, really, really, truly kind of an unlimited ceiling for him because they're just going to try to mold him with Draymond and Steph and just teach him the way to be an NBA pro and an NBA star. And it's really up to him, like how far he can go. So yeah. I'm very excited about him. Me too, dude. The The shooting has got to get there, but his field goal percentage inside the two-point line is inside the three-point line is great. Um, his finishing around the hoop is great. The rest of it's got to get there. But even if it doesn't, he's one of those guys that could still have a pretty long career. 100%. Um, Franz Wagner from the Orlando Magic. Me and you are both big fans of his. Um, I think we both compared him to Gordon Hayward before he got drafted. No, it's not because he's white. It's just the way he plays. Um, great hockey assist guy. Unbelievable at driving to the basket for someone who's six foot ten, six foot nine, whatever he is, really, really good at back cuts. Um, just driving to the basket with a dribble. Um, he always finds his way to the hoop. 
And then you can count on him to hit an open three from basically any point, um, whether it's the top of the key or the corner, he's just going to be standing there waiting for the ball to get to him. So he's been the most efficient rookie kind of by a landslide. Um, He's not going to get much rookie of the year buzz just because what he does doesn't look as pretty as a Mobley or a Barnes or even a Cade. Like he's kind of your, he kind of plays like a 10 year vet already. And I think that's, that's great for Orlando, knowing that you have a guy that's at least going to be an above average NBA player for the next decade. Yeah. I think that's a great way to say it. Um, He looks like he knows what he's doing, knows where he's supposed to be, knows his assignments. Uh, He doesn't really ever look lost. And we saw that in the preseason and in the summer league, he did not look like he was going to be that good. He was not getting that much offense run for him. And when it was getting run for him, he wasn't doing anything with it. Um, His off ball stuff is great. The way that he cuts off ball, the way that he moves uh, and can just catch and shoot, I think is great. He's also first in the NBA in games played 12th in minutes played. So he's available. Um, and he's been playing a lot. So we've got to see a lot of him. His three-point shooting numbers the first half of the season were pretty stupid. They've come down to earth a little bit, but he was shooting like over 41% for a while. Yeah. Um, if that's a peak, if that's like the highlight of what we get to see from him later on in his career, I'm really excited. Yeah. I think he's kind of a lock to be an important player on a good team. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if I see all-stars games in his future, But he really, really has impressed me. And I'm really happy for Orlando. They got a guy of that caliber. Yeah, me too. Um, I, we both soured on him a bit or I, me definitely. I won't speak. I did as well. Yeah. Um, Because of that summer league stuff, because he just wasn't very confident and his elite skill. We said this every time we've talked about him, um, help defense, team defense was his elite coming out of college skill. And it's risky to go with a guy like that um, as a draft pick. And it's crazy to me that he was the one that worked out in Jalen Suggs isn't a hundred percent because me and you, we believe in the philosophy that you identify guys in the draft that have an elite skill that, you know, is going to translate to the NBA. Um, And Franz Wagner's elite skill that we spotted was help defense. That's not something that gets us very excited to be like, just quite frank, like help defense is great, but if you can't score rebound assist anything else in the NBA, like you're probably not going to get too many minutes. So um, yeah, he's really, really surprised me. And he, he, I'm very, very shocked quite honestly that it's gone this well. Me too. Uh, Davion Mitchell, ninth pick for the Kings. He is an interesting one as well. He has played a lot of minutes because the Kings have not been great. Um, He was playing as a third string behind Halliburton and Fox, who are both ball dominant guards. Um, Halliburton is now gone. So he has started a couple games. He's mostly being used as a bench guy, but he started a couple of games. Um, His defense is monstrous. He's not very big. I mean, he's, he's huge at six foot two, but he's only six two. Um, but he muscles through one through three. He guards them very well. Doesn't let them dribble very comfortably at all. Uh, is good at getting into passing lanes. So his defense is pretty excellent. His offense isn't always there. Um, but his determination is, I watch him drive to the hoop over and over and over again. And a lot of times he gets stopped, but he just, he gets up so high. Um, he'll, he'll start putting those in eventually, I think. Yeah, he's a little bit of a feast or famine guy. 
like you'll see like a really impressive, super efficient 20 point performance. And then he'll just have a game where he has three points and he's one of eight shooting. Yeah. Very, very feast or famine. But like we said, elite skills that translate the defense has carried over flawlessly. I mean, I feel very, very comfortable him guarding uh, the opposing guards threes. I get a little bit nervous with just because of how big the players in the league are getting at the three spot. But I mean, with someone with ball handling duties, I'm putting Davion Mitchell on him and I'm making their ass work all night long. Yes. Yeah. I mean, definitely if you're a forward, you can shoot over him, but he is going to pester you every time the ball hits the floor um, and just make it difficult for you to get wherever you want to get. I, my ceiling of his is lower than it was when he got drafted. Um, His three point shooting numbers, his last year at college were great. And his other years at college, they were not. Um, and I believed in it and I thought it would translate. It hasn't so far. He's shooting very poorly from the free throw line, very poorly from the three point line and okay from the field. Um, it's a little bit like you can't have a guard shooting 62% from the free throw line. That's really bad for a guard. Yeah, it's, it's not great. It was an issue in college too. If you go back to his college stats, he was never a good free throw shooter. And I think that's why people were so skeptical about his three point shooting because he was this horrible free throw shooter at the point guard position, but then he shot 45% from three in college. It just didn't really add up. And I think that's what made people so like scared to draft him or scared to believe in his three point shooting. Yeah. I mean, and they were right to do so. I think that's always a safe bet pretty much is just look at their free throw shooting and you'll get a good gauge of where they're at as a shooter. Um, That's got to change. That's the biggest thing for him. Uh, being able to score from outside the paint is going to be something he's going to have to work on a lot um, because, you know, as, as a short guard, he's going to need to add that to his game. His explosiveness is there, man. I didn't yeah. know he had the kind of bounce that he had, but he gets up. Um, the rest of it's got to come around. though. It will eventually, or I hope it does at least. I Do you still think, think it will? Actually, I'm going to bet against that. I, I, Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen just because of the free throw struggles throughout college. It makes me a little wary, but I think the pick is still worth it. I mean, we're going to go down the list further here. It starts to get a little bit grim Um, the top 10 of this draft was pretty spectacular. And then it it starts to diminish in quality pretty quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, you get a guy who's going to be a really good guard defender for most of his career. I think at this spot in the draft, it's okay to walk away with that. I think so too. Um, We also got to remember that it's the Kings and if we're expecting them to develop Davion Mitchell into something, we're going to be let down probably. True. Um, But you know, for where they were in the draft, picking Davion Mitchell was definitely a good call. I think he'll, his offense will improve. I don't, I, you know, he's not stuck here. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever be a league average three point shooter. I need to see a free throw percentage above like 75 before I really feel that way. Yeah, I agree. Moving on to Zaire Williams. Um, The Grizzlies picked him at 10. I was really excited about this pick for the Grizzlies because I thought they were taking a home run swing. Um, It was a home run swing. He was a bust or burst player, right? Like he would have either been really, really good or a bust. Instead, he's been wildly mild, right? Like just kind of your run of the mill role player. He's obviously still super, super young, but he provides really good defense and a ton of energy to a team who feeds off of each other because they all have so much energy and they're willing to play defense for each other. So he fits in perfectly with the Grizzlies. He's only averaging seven points a game and two rebounds a game. 
So his role is like pretty limited, but when they need him to shine, he shines. And I've actually been really encouraged by what he's done this year when I thought I was going to be scared off of him. Um, just seeing some of the summer league stuff. Yeah, I, uh, that was definitely fair. He did not play very well in college. Um, and he was an excellent high school prospect. And that was really the reason that people were scared of him uh, coming into the draft. His three point shooting numbers are sometimes there, sometimes not, but I really have faith in it. Um, I don't think the shot looks bad. I think it's just, you know, he's a rookie and sometimes he's in moments that are a little bit too big for him. The Grizzlies are a lot better than I think people expected them to be. Um, and he's being asked to do a good amount actually. Uh, and you know, he's the scoring's not there, but I like the defense a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, him in transition, he's pretty much a lob threat every single time. That's what I've seen mostly from him scoring wise is when they run in transition, they look for him primarily. Um, you know, when he's down there, I, I am excited to see him get more minutes. I believe in this pick. I don't think he's going to be this all-star type player. Um, but as a, you know, above average impactful role player, I think he's got that kind of as a lock. I think so too. He played a really good defense against Kevin Durant the other night as like a 19 year old that impressed the hell out of me. So I think the pick was worth it. Um, I liked, I liked the idea from it still the home run type mindset for them. Cause they, I still think they need more star power. Um, but yeah, um, moving on to James book night, he's been in jail. Um, no one has seen him. Uh, he's only played, what do we got here? 300 minutes of NBA ball. Me and you were pretty high on him. Honestly, I'm a little shocked that he's kind of fallen into this situation. Um, we both thought he would be a pretty consistent bench scorer at least. And he has disappeared. Um, the Charlotte Hornets must have seen something that really discouraged them. Maybe it's because they're so guard heavy on that team that he's not playing. But there's clearly something that's preventing them from giving him NBA minutes. Yeah, I wanted to, I tried to go find his G League numbers there, but I couldn't. But he's been playing a majority of his time in the G League. Yes. I think the thing, you know, James Borrego has had a tight leash for his rookies. Um, LaMelo Ball was pulled out of a lot of games that he should not have been pulled out of. Um, he was benched for doing dumb dribble moves and stuff last year. And everybody knew that he was one of the most talented guys on the floor and just give him the ball and get out of the way. But James Borrego still had a pretty tight leash on him. And that's what we're seeing with book night. Um, his G league numbers are not bad, man. I think the thing that James Borrego has been seeing that has been stopping book night from getting NBA minutes is his defense is piss poor. True. Um, the effort's not really always there. Um, and just the ability to play defense isn't always there. His offense is fine. I don't think there's any problem with it in the G league. I don't think there'll be any problem with it in the NBA. They're just very guard heavy at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's fine. And I think another reason that goes a little bit deeper is they may be using him as a trade chip. Um, like just keeping him on the bench kind of makes teams still believe in his potential, um, right? Because you you can believe what you don't see. Like if he's out there sucking ass, teams aren't going to want to trade for him. But he was clearly the best prospect at that spot other than Sengun. Like it made sense that they drafted him um, so I don't have a problem with the pick. I think they're probably a little disappointed. He didn't force his way into the lineup, but you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's the 11th pick. 
at that point, you're kind of swinging and missing most of the time anyway. So it's not a huge deal. Um, I think the next pick, the next pick me and you got me and you hated um, <laughs> Joshua Primo. The moment he was selected, me and you both disagreed with the pick mightily. Um, he was the youngest player in the draft outside of Kaminga. He had very little resume in college also. Like he didn't do anything extremely impressive other than shoot the three ball well. And then everything else was speculation. Um, I think consensus, most people were surprised by this pick. He's only played uh, 700 minutes, which is actually more than I anticipated seeing. But his efficiencies are awful. He's averaging five points a game. He's not really impacting winning. Obviously, they have DeJounte Murray and more proven guards playing for that team. I think that was a huge waste of a pick, to be honest. I don't I don't really see anything more than like Patty Mills coming out of Josh uh, Primo. Yeah, and, I, you know, he is a little bit away from Patty Mills still. Patty Mills is a fantastic shooter. Yeah. Um, Josh Primo's, I just went and found his college numbers. His freshman year at Alabama, he put up eight points and 3.4 rebounds per game in 23 minutes. 38% three-point shooting was the thing that the Spurs saw and needed to have for some reason. Um, His youth had a lot to do with that. And, you know, it didn't work out. It didn't come close to working out. Um, I'm not going to call him a bust again. I think he's got a long road before he is an impactful basketball player. Um, He's fine. His offense is okay. He's got some moments where he'll go three or four in a game. He's had a couple of good games, but he really hasn't done anything to stand out. Um, He's six, six. So, you know, 190 pounds rail thin. Um, Eventually he might grow into a basketball player. And then we can start talking about like team defense and other things that he could do potentially well. But right now his path is he's got to hit three point shots. I'm with you. I I don't see much of a ceiling there. So with some of the players going behind him, I don't really understand the pick to this day. Um, Yeah. You know, at the guard spot, man, they need it. They could have done better. If you're the Spurs, you certainly could have done better. I agree. Um, One of those guards, Chris Duarte, went right after him. He was 24 years old when selected. Super, super, super old rookie. But you knew exactly what you were getting from him. Um, And he's averaging 13 points a game on decent efficiency, 43 from the floor, 37 from three. Um, He came out of the uh, gates like on fire. I remember his first career game, he had a 27-point game. That's just who he is. He's already a role player for an NBA team. Um, That's kind of just what you expected from him. He doesn't really surprise me in any way, shape, or form because we knew as an older player we were expecting something of this caliber. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely – he knows who he is. He knows what he does well, um, and he does those things on the court. Um, He is a pretty good offensive player. I expected him to go to Golden State. Um, Golden State was talking about we want – talent we want some known players we want to help these guys now and it seemed like the perfect fit for the next pick Moses Moody to go to Indiana Um, but I think it's worked out Moses Moody is certainly in a good spot in Golden State but Chris Duarte where he is right now the level that he's at right now is a impactful role player for you know a decade at least Um, he's older than Devin Booker so he's not a young prospect um but he'll be in the league for, you know, eight years at least if he plays at this sort of level. Yeah. And sometimes I think with teams, they need to swallow the bullet and just take the older players. 
Um, yes, there's not much of a ceiling to Chris Duarte at all. Honestly, I would argue he's already hit his ceiling. But, okay, you have 13 points per game on decent shooting for the rest of his career. I, that sounds pretty good to me. So um, I think some teams need to stop being so scared about that. Um, let's go to Moses Moody. You were a big fan of Moses Moody. You even went as far as saying he has a chance to make an all-star game. Um, what are your thoughts on him this year? Moses Moody was a really fun player to watch at Arkansas. Um, he's another dude who is really young, but he put up 17 and six at, and two at Arkansas and his athleticism was stupid. Um, I expected him to be a catch and shoot corner three guy and then just explode to the rim uh, on cuts. And he's still, he can do those things. His three point shooting numbers aren't there yet, obviously, but his offensive rebound potential is another like super high one. Him and Kaminga just fly in for those boards. Um, I don't think they need him to be any type of scorer right now. So he's trying to stand out in other ways, but he is, you know, in all the intangibles and the hustle stats, he's leading those categories. The shooting numbers actually have me hopeful though, because when the Warriors have asked him to be a scorer, like whether they're being blown out or they're blowing out someone, um, he's performed relatively well. I mean, you can go to the game against Denver. He has 30 points. He's five for 12 from three point land. He has shown flashes that make me comfortable saying he's going to be a player for a really long time. And I feel like at the 14 spot, if you can just guarantee you're going to have a player from that spot on your team for a while, that's a win. Oh, that's 100%. I agree with you. Um, there's a lot of games that he's played where he hit every shot he took. They only ask him to take like four or five shots and they're probably all like free wide open shots and he hits them all. Um, but, you know, not every rookie is putting up 30 points in a game. He took 23 shots. The fact that he was able to do that is something. Um, but I think that's still pretty impressive. I don't know what his ceiling is on this team, but I know he's in a really good place to learn, you know, the fundamentals of basketball, where he's supposed to be position-wise. I think his defense will be pretty good, too, because he's 6'6 with really long arms. Yeah. Um, him, Kaminga, and then whatever Wiseman turns out to be could be a young dynasty forming for Golden State. Yeah, I was actually going to say what I kind of expect him to turn into is just three-point shooting Andre Iguodala. Um, less, less passing vision, less passing like intelligence, but more three-point shooting. Um, that's kind of what I see coming from him because he's got these freaky go-go gadget arms um, at six foot six, you can kind of just stick him on the perimeter, defend the best guy. And then if he can just hit threes coming down the opposite end of the court, I mean, that's a winning player. And I think you're right. I mean, I think that was their goal heading into this draft with Kaminga and Moody to potentially pair them with Wiseman a few years down the road when they're kind of done contending for championships and try to run a whole new iteration of the Warriors back. I think they're both Kaminga and Moody could be the two to do that. Um, the defensive potential has me really excited. The fact that you could play both of them at three and four, the two and three, and they would just swallow up both guys that they're guarding. That has me very excited. Um, Moses Moody will not have the reins like that for a very long time. Um, if that ever happens for, for now, he is going to be just a role player, come in for high energy minutes, um, you know, make hustle plays, that sort of thing. And he does that pretty well. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, moving on to Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. He was an older player as well. 
Um, he was a part of that really, really good Gonzaga team with Jalen Suggs. They went undefeated until the championship game and lost. Um, he's been okay. Um, he's been bad on defense. He's been pretty good from three, pretty good from the free throw line, pretty good from the floor. Going to be a J.J. Redick type. Um, just He's going to be running off screens and shooting threes. He's actually pretty good at attacking closeouts. Like when he's about to shoot a three, he can throw up a pump fake and then go to the hoop. I've been impressed by his ability to do that, but not too much of a ceiling on him. But I think he's like what he does is extremely valuable in today's NBA. So I think that's a decent pick for Washington there. I agree. Corey Kispert has been able to play a little more recently because the Wizards are bad and they're no longer trying to be anything else. Um, So over his last 15, he's been solid. He's shooting 40% from three, 50% from the field. Uh, He's putting up only 12 points a game in those games, but he's been solid. I think his defense is okay. Um, He's not a liability, I don't think, but it's nothing to write home about. Um, You know, the Wizards are a weird team. They have a lot of forwards right now. It's not a guarantee that he's going to get a lot of minutes. Um, So he may be stuck in this weird phase that Rui Hachimura was in before him on the Wizards. Um, I'm not sure where his career really goes, but you're right. Being a J.J. Redick type with passable defense is a real avenue for him. Yeah, and I I think that's a very valuable NBA player. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a huge win. Um, Going to what I was really excited about moving into the draft, Sengun. You guys can go listen back. I was I was teetering on the edge of putting like Sengun in the superstar tier. I thought I I thought he had a chance to make like multiple all-star games. I talked myself down a little bit just because I knew he was going to suck on defense. And he's small for his position. He's six foot nine playing center. And I know the NBA is surrounded by weird body types and small ball and stuff like this, but it, I still think that's gonna have an impact on his ceiling just being smaller for his position. Um, But I think the flash, the flashes he has shown almost guarantee him to be an above average NBA player for his entire career. Yeah. Oh, I I agree. He is fun at his best. Shangun is really, really fun when he's at his best. Um, He's basically right now a six, nine supercharged Ennis Cantor freedom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he doesn't do too much else, but you, you're pretty confident when the ball's in his hands in the post, he's either going to be able to score or find an open kickout. They have to double-teamed him in the post in a handful of these games, and he makes the right read most of the time. Yeah, and it's not just that. Like, he has some passing flair. Go look up some oh, of yeah. passing highlights this year. Like, it's kind of Jokic-esque. I don't want to – they're not the same player, but some of the flair he puts on his passes are like, who else is doing that other than Jokic? Um, definitely does not have the passing vision or passing acumen like Jokic, but every once in a while, he'll kind of shock you with one of these weird passes he throws. He has potential to be like a very, very good offensive player, like a 20, maybe not a 20 and 10 guy, but maybe like a 17 and 10 guy on good efficiency. Like I'm comfortable with him taking shots for my team. Me too. Me too. Um, he's, he's been hitting some threes too. He's been taking them anyway. Um, and you know, they sometimes go in. I like the confidence he has to take him. It'd be cool to see him stretch the floor like that eventually. Um, and I think if he was on a better team, we'd see even better passing. 
the thing about Jokic that makes him such a good passer is the fact that his teammates go to where he thinks they're going to go. They've got a plan. You stand at this spot in the corner or this spot on the wing. And if Jokic is wrapped up, he'll fling it to you. Um, and Jokic has a good idea of where everybody is on the floor at all times. The Rockets are kind of scrambled. Their offensive plan isn't as uh, concrete as the Denver Nuggets, but I think if he was on a team that was a bit more stable, we'd see even better play from him. But I don't know what his ceiling is because of how weak he is defensively. I think his ceiling, like his pinnacle, is one a one-time All-Star. Like I think he could. I think I believe in that still. Yeah, I think he could hit the mountaintop, get an all-star selection, and then just be a really good player for a long time. Kind of like a Mike Conley-esque career. Like, everyone knew Mike Conley was a really, really good player, but I think people kind of realized he wasn't exactly an all-star caliber player. I envision a similar scenario with Sengun. Yeah, uh, Sengun has never been in incredible shape. He wasn't in the Turkish League. He lost a good amount of weight uh, to play in the NBA and to keep up. So if we see some kind of body transformation with him, maybe that would help some of his woes defensively. But he is 6'9 with not freakishly long arms playing the center position. So that's going to hurt you forever. You know, Montrez Harrell is another dude who's pretty weak defensively, and there's not much he can do about that because of his size. Yeah, it's going to be a career-long handicap. It's, I mean, it's not his fault, you know, like he just grew up playing center and that's just the way it worked. So like I said, I think both of us agree that that was, we gave the Rockets an A plus for their draft for getting Sengun at that spot and getting Jalen Green. They did kind of kill that draft. Um, moving to Trey Murphy, Trey Murphy had an unbelievable summer league and kind of just disappeared from the face of the earth. I feel like um, didn't really make, an impact notable of following. Like I was never like, Oh, Trey Murphy just had a really good game. I never once texted you that. Um, I kind of lost track of him. I haven't been paying much attention. Have you I've watched a little bit? Um, he is really big. He is six, nine, two Oh six. He's pretty lanky, but he's, you know, he's pretty tall. Um, his three point shooting's good. I've, I've liked watching him shoot threes. He's pretty smooth shooting it. I haven't watched an incredible amount of him because he doesn't get a lot of play. Um, I've watched Pelicans games recently, like the last dozen games or so, they've been giving him some play. Before that, really nothing. There was only a handful of games that even played over like 12 minutes. Um, the last, what is it, dozen games that he's really been getting minutes, I've liked what I've seen. He had a seven for 12, three point shooting night, put up 32 points against the Hornets. Um, I could see a future where he is a consistently high level three point shooter um, and also plays passable defense. His defense isn't great because his body's a little small. Um, but if he adds a little bit of muscle, I think he could be a really passable two way guy. Yeah, I mean, the reason they draft him, drafted him was because he's the prototypical 3 and D guy. I mean, right. he, he was good at de- he was good on defense in college, and then he's six foot nine who can shoot threes. I mean, that's that's what you want at the forward spot. Um, if he could potentially bring what he did in college to the NBA, he'd be an awesome fit next to Zion. So the thing with him is that, you know, he's had a couple of pretty solid standout games and then a lot of mediocre games like. Okay, I mean, I can look at his stats now. Um, he put up less than 10 points 51 times in his 55-game career. Yeah. So mostly stinkers. And then one game that was like, holy crap, this guy could be amazing. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know if there's too much more to say on Trey Murphy. We just need to see more of him. He's one of those players. Um, For Trey Mann, me and you both liked him. Um, We gave the Thunder props for drafting him. He was kind of like what we would describe as a double, right? You know what you're getting. Like he's going to come into the league and kind of just give you what he did in college. And he's done basically just that. I mean, he's a pretty good scorer. His efficiency is not great, but he's had a few games where it's like, holy shit, this kid can really get buckets. And I think that's okay to see from a team that had no intention of winning from the start of the season, right? Like they just want to see what their young guys can do. And he's proven to Sam Presti that, hey, I'm worth keeping around to see how I develop. Yeah, and uh, he made a pretty huge leap his sophomore year of college, and it was why he entered into the draft in the first place. And we, you're right, we both knew this guy was going to be a solid NBA player. Um, I don't think his ceiling's very high but he did go seven to seven and a half against the Celtics from three. Yeah. Uh, he lit the Celtics up. He put up 30 in that game. Um, 35 actually. I don't know what to expect from him in his future other than just solid play forever. Um, and I will note, cause I think it's notable. He's got the 100 Apple emoji, the iOS emoji uh, tattooed on his shoulder. It's a very clear view on his uh, left shoulder, the 100 emoji. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what it's like to get lit up by a dude who's got that tattoo, but that's what the Celtics were dealing with the last time we played him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a well, that's a good, good note for our listeners to know. Makes them stand out a little bit. Yeah. Um, let's move to Kai Jones. Kai Ooh. Jones, center, drafted to the Hornets, a dude we were both pretty worried about because his floor is uh, very low and his ceiling is who knows. Um, he's got unbelievable bounce and some of the stuff that he's been doing in the G league is pretty impressive, but I'm not sure if it translates at all into the NBA game. Yeah. I, I remember saying this line word for word in the pre-draft process. If you watch his highlights, you think he's Kevin Durant. If you watch a college basketball game, you think he's playing at the YMCA. There is such a valley between his moments of greatness and his moments of weakness. It's just, I've, it's for my experience evaluating draft prospects, he really was one of the higher like swing potential guys because I think me and you both kind of said this at the season, uh, um, at the beginning of the season, like just put him in the G League like let him figure out how to play NBA basketball. And that's what, what they've done to the Hornets credit. Um, but yeah, man, like he hasn't gotten an ounce of playing time. He has 58 minutes in the league in that time. He's averaging a point per point per game. Um, not a lot we can say about Kai Jones. It's just one of those things where next year we're going to need to see it because the Charlotte Hornets are still desperate for a center And that's why they drafted him to be their center. So next year is really his payoff year. Definitely. His uh, G League stats, he's played 21 games, 31 minutes a game, and he's putting up 18 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks, and a steal. Um, So that's not bad at all. Um, Who knows how much of that even translates. And some of those buckets he gets is because he is a 99th percentile athlete. Um, I really have no idea what his ceiling is. It would be really cool to see a player with his skill set be NBA viable and play for the Hornets. If he could just fly around getting dunks and just be like a stupid lob threat, another one for LaMelo. Um, I would like to see that. I don't know how realistic it is. 
I think the lob threat part of it's realistic. The defense, he just won't get minutes because of how bad he is on defense, though. Yeah, That's yeah, the- yeah. The block numbers are good, but he's not, you know, he doesn't shuffle his feet well. He bites on a lot of pump fakes. It's really just flashy block numbers. Exactly. So I think that's enough on Kai Jones. Let's go to Jalen Johnson. Me and you both thought this was a steal for Atlanta to get him at pick number 20, because if he wasn't shifting situations every year um, when it came to college, where he just quit on the Duke team or in high school, where he switched teams like three different times, um, I think he probably would have gone a lot higher than he did here. So we thought it was a steal. It, I mean, we don't know if, if it's a steal or not yet. He's barely gotten playing time, 111 minutes. He's averaging 2.7 uh, points per game. Really just doesn't get a lot of opportunity. Um, I don't know what his G League numbers are, um, but I still think there's a path where if the Hawks want a new iteration of this Hawks team and they want to trade John Collins, which they've been talking about for three years, that Jalen Johnson could potentially step into the lineup and do some of the things John Collins does. I agree. Um, this is John Collins' contract here, correct? Uh, no, they just extended him in the summer. Right, right. Um, yeah, so who knows if and when Jalen Johnson will ever get his time. I think it's a good place for him to end up because you're right. They have been talking about moving those forward pieces. DeAndre Hunter can't always even stay healthy. Um, and there is a path for minutes for Jalen Johnson to be impactful. His three-point shooting numbers in the handful of games he played at Duke were pretty excellent. He seemed like a dude who could score pretty well at all three levels. On top of that, his bounce is also pretty insane. Um, but I haven't seen enough from him in general, like minutes. I haven't seen enough from him to know really what kind of player he'll be. Um, he's had a very short leash in Atlanta. He's only played 19 games um what is his total minutes 111 total minutes so really not a big resume so far in the nba yeah no uh moving on to keon johnson you were a huge keon johnson fan he ended up getting drafted by the clippers he's now on the trailblazers uh he was a part of that norm powell deal i actually like that he's a part of the trailblazers because they're tanking so hard he's having an opportunity to actually just get out there on the floor what he's showing in terms of the numbers, like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm not watching Trailblazers games at all. But just from what I'm seeing in the numbers, I mean, six points a game on horrible efficiency. We know he's a great defender just from what he did in college. Like, I trust that he's playing good defense in the NBA without even watching him. Um, not much of a ceiling there, in my opinion. I think he's going to be a really scrappy defender, maybe like a Chris Dunn type of thing. But um, what, what are your thoughts, Ben? Yeah, I'm a little bit uh, disappointed. I was very high on Keon Johnson because I love 100th percentile athletes. Um, and he, Keon Johnson set the NBA combine record for vertical leap. Um, so he's, you know, his bounce is stupid. And I love that so much watching guards who can just fly. But, you know, he's not got a chance to play defense on this Portland team. They get beat by 30 points basically every night. They're like one of the worst teams in basketball right now. Yeah. They shut down Nurkic. Um, they shut down pretty much anybody on their team with any basketball ability. And now they're letting a lot of 10-day contracts go. Um, Trenton Watford is a dude who might be a rookie, um, who's been playing excellently for them in the minutes they've given him. Um, but Keon Johnson, nothing to write home about, man. He doesn't do anything really at above average level. Um, he has scored 17 points as his career high. It took him 19 shots to get there. Um I don't know that I believe in him anymore, 
Yeah. And I don't know that that's unrealistic. Yeah. Um, it just hasn't been much for him to be really excited about. I think that's fair. Um, I agree with you on all fronts. Um, in terms of Isaiah Jackson, he was drafted to the Pacers. Um, he was a really, really, really good shot blocker at Kentucky. He's kind of carried that over to the NBA. He's shown some pretty nice athleticism and floor running. He's a good alley-oop target. I don't know if he's much more than that. Um, we're kind of getting to the weeds in these 20 picks here, but yeah, man, he, he's been okay. Yeah. 400 minutes played so far in his NBA career, uh, playing for a bad Pacers team, really hard to gauge if he's even impactful or what he does really well, but the shot blocking is there. Um, I, I don't think that's really going anywhere. He's six ten, with the ability to get off the floor pretty quickly when he's going to block shots. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, as a serviceable defender, I don't think there's anything stopping him from being that forever. Going to Usman Garuba for the Rockets. Um, he's only played 18 games, 129 total minutes. Um, his big thing in Spain was that he was a really good defender. Uh, we haven't had the shot to see it. The Houston Rockets are by far the worst defensive team in the league. No one wants to play defense on that team. So it's kind of pointless to have him out there because he does nothing else but play defense. What are your thoughts? You know, you wrapped it up pretty nicely. Uh, he's got a dope name. So he was somebody that I heard about uh, that I had caught on to a little early because <laughs> yeah. um, that's what I do. And, yeah. you know, 6'8", 220, he's got the build of a NBA player already. He doesn't have a lot of growing to, go to do. Yeah. Um, but you're right. He's on a team that does not play defense. It would be pointless to have him out there. And so they have. Him. Yeah. Going to Josh Christopher, Houston's other draft pick in the 20s. I want to apologize to him. Because I remember I called him potentially just like a guy who's going to sit on the bench for his entire career and basically Jalen Green's cheerleader. Um, I remember saying that uh, because they were best friends in high school. And I thought Houston was just taking Josh, Josh Christopher to kind of keep Jalen Green along, um, just already preparing for like seven years down the line type of thing. He's good. He is a good player. He tries his ass off. In the games I've watched of Houston, he tries his ass off and he defends at a high level, which I was not expecting at all. Um, he's the only person on that team other than Jay Sean Tate that defends. And I just love his effort. And I, I actually commend how well he's been playing and the Houston Rockets for picking him. Yeah, the fact that he is a good friend of Jalen Green's and he is a good enough NBA player to keep on your roster is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he's also pretty young. So there's no reason to think he's not going to get any better. Yeah. Um, but you're right. He There's a reason he is like top 15, according to all rookies and minutes played. Um, it's because he's valuable. It's because he's passable as a defender. You're right. He plays pretty good defense. Um, I don't know where his career goes, but the fact that he's proven himself in getting minutes, I think is huge for him. 100%. Um, going to Quentin Grimes who I believe is on the Knicks. Um, he got drafted by the Clippers, but I'm pretty sure he's on the Knicks. Um, he's been a really good three-point shooter. I've noticed him in games, um, like in late minute. He had one game where I was watching where he hit like really, really important shots. I think it was against the Cavs. Um, I think Tom Thibodeau just needs to give the young guys more playing time. I think that's really the issue here because when he's played, he's shooting 39% from three. Like that's that's super valuable to a team who also desperately needs shooting 
Um, I don't really know where to go with Quentin Grimes because I know he's good at defense. I know he's good at shooting threes, but Tom Thibodeau doesn't feel like giving him any playing time. Yeah, it's it's a frustrating part of watching uh, teams coached by Tom Thibodeau. Uh, 30 of Quentin Grimes' 45 NBA games, he's played under 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're accurate. They're not giving him a lot of play. His three-point shooting is there pretty consistently. It's hard to be a three-point shooter when you're not given minutes and you're just thrown in for like six, eight minutes in a game and told to hit shots. Um, <laughs> it's tough to do that. And not a lot of guys can coming off cold off the bench like that. But Quentin Grimes has been able to do it. Um, you know, the Knicks are bad, man. They might as well just play him more. I like him. I think he'll be a plus player uh, if they just gave him the chance. But, you know, I don't know what else what else to say about him because they're just, you know, he hasn't had enough run. Yeah, not much. Uh, going to Bones Highland, drafted by Denver. You were huge on this guy, big name guy. And it yes, worked it, out. Worked yeah, yeah, out yeah. really well. He's been really good. Basically budget version of Tyrese Maxey. Uh, not going to defend anything, but boy, can he get you spark buckets. Yes, that is 100% it. Um, he, his shooting has been on fire since the All-Star break. Uh, the... Denver Nuggets are a weak team right now. Jokic uh, does a lot of heavy lifting and he makes his guys better, but they're not a very deep bench right now. Um, he's had a seven for 13 night, seven for 14, six of 12, six of 10. He just comes off the bench, hits eight shots, seven shots. Uh, looks really nice doing it. The shots look really smooth. Um, I'm pretty confident in him being a scorer for years. Um, we talk about this as there's guys in the NBA like Jordan Clarkson getting paid way too much money to only score. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to bank on a dude like Bones Highland turning into what he is. But these are these guys are available in the late first round. Guys that can come off your bench, get you 14, 15 points and do it pretty efficiently. They exist and you can draft them and get them on rookie deals. Um, Bones Highland is an excellent guy to have on your bench. Yeah, and Cam Thomas, the next pick, was also a perfect example of this. Uh, guys who just drop buckets in college, that's all they did in college. They're professional scorers. It's probably going to transition into the NBA decently. Um, Cam Thomas has played a decent amount of minutes, scoring eight points per game. I shat on him before the NBA draft. He was just a player I was not interested in watching whatsoever. Um, he never passed the ball in college. Like, just your prototypical ball hog, I'm going to try to bring this team to a win. I don't love that player archetype, um, so I didn't pay him much attention. But I think it's interesting that Kevin Durant has kind of taken Cam Thomas under his wing. I guess they're like best buddies on the team and they hang out all the time. I think if he can learn some stuff from Kevin Durant, that would be massively valuable. That was, I think, the only thing I said when they drafted him is he's at a spot where he gets to he's already a pretty good scorer. Yeah. Uh, and a pretty confident scorer. And he's at a spot where he gets to play with some of the best scorers in basketball. And he really gets to add a lot to his game. Uh, his three-point shooting numbers are pretty weak, pretty pedestrian. Uh, but scoring inside the basket's been no issue for him. Inside the three-point line has been no issue for him. Yeah, um, moving on to Jaden Springer. We don't really even have to say anything about him. He's gotten no playing time. But going to Dayron Sharp, uh, the Nets drafted Dayron Sharp. They obviously needed size on that roster. He's played a little bit, uh, six points, five rebounds in the time he's played. Pretty awful from three. That's not why they drafted him, though. They drafted him to be a big body inside and get buckets. 
And he's done his job in the time he's been given, but it's really Andre Drummond and Nick Claxton out there. So there's not much we can take away from De'Aaron Sharp. Yeah, he's not, they're not asking him to do much. He's a dude who probably could have a little bit of offense run through him. Um, I'm not sure that he'll ever be a high enough level basketball player to where that there'll be something that the Nets do, but that's something that he did in college. Um, he's 6'11", 265. He is a big body. Um, he's a dude who can score around the paint, but there's really not a lot for him. There haven't, hasn't been a lot for him to do this season. Yeah, and Santi Aldama, the next pick, I don't know anything about him. I'm sure you don't know much about him, so I don't think he's even worth talking about. No, so we're I just gonna, watched a minute. Yeah, so we're just going to go to the names in the second round that have worked out, and we're going to start with Herb Jones. Herb Jones has been a staple of the Pelicans lineup from game one. He's played in 72 games, has over 2,000 minutes. Um, he's given you nine points per game, four rebounds, two assists, but he can freaking defend, man. Like, he is an NBA-ready defender already. Um, he's shooting the ball from three way better than he did in college. He's only at 35%, but, I mean, that is a drastic improvement. Um, so, yeah, man, that, what a steal for the Pelicans. I freaking love Herb Jones. I really do. Um, he's gotten at least one steal in 50 of his games so far, over 50 of his games. He's gotten five steals in three games so far this season. People are not safe dribbling the ball when Herb Jones is around him. Um, he, you know, he could make an all defensive team this year. He could be eligible. I, I, I don't think it would be crazy for him to make one this year. He won't because nobody cares about him. Uh, and part of being making an all defensive team is name recognition. Yep. Um, but if the Pelicans were a, a slightly higher seed and he was already a known name, he'd be, you know, in running for all defensive teams. Um, he also had an 18 point fourth quarter the other day, uh, again, in a win in a pretty good game. Um, he's scored pretty well, man. I did not expect this scoring from him at all, but the steal numbers are ridiculous. Uh, his defensive potential is freaking crazy. Yeah, and, that, and that's what you get for drafting older players. You know what you're going to get. They knew they were going to get a defensive player. What they didn't expect is that he's flashing some offensive potential as well. Um, moving to Ayo Desunmu, another guy you were really high on. He's been an unbelievable point guard defender. He's been relatively efficient. He's given you eight points a game, and he's defending like pretty legitimate players on the opposite end and holding his own. Had a little bit of a rookie wall as of late, but in terms of his entire season, he's been really, really impressive as a second round pick. Yes. The rookie wall has been real. And I think part of that is the bulls are in this home stretch here, really trying to win games. And that's a lot of pressure for him. Um, IO grew up in Chicago, went to school, college in Chicago, and now is drafted to the bulls. It's really the perfect story for him. Um, his three point shooting is great. His all around scoring is great. His assist numbers are pretty solid. I mean, and just his passing vision for a dude for the amount of minutes that he's played. Um, he's shown a lot. I have been pretty happy. He's put over, put up a dozen assists four times. So he's good at passing the ball and they give him that opportunity. Um, he also, you said, you said it, he defends really well at the point guard spot. I didn't expect him to be this good, um, but he'll probably make second team all rookie. Yeah. I think he has to make the all rookie team. Oh, the second team all rookie team. I, I, I think he deserves it 100%. Yeah, I, I did not expect that level of play. The fact that he's played almost 2,000 minutes um, 
I don't think he was expecting the injuries to Caruso, Lonzo, Levine at a time, DeRozan, but he stepped up in a massive way when those guys went out. Yeah, 100%. And to wrap up, I just, what a draft class, seriously. What a freaking draft class. I know I was comparing it to the 2018 class just because I, I just saw the top three guys. I was like, Mobley's Doncic, um, Cade's going to be Aiton, and then Jalen Green's going to be like Trey, or Cade's going to be Trey Young and Jalen Green's going to be Aiton, right? Like there's going to be three really quality players in this draft. Um, and I think that's coming to fruition kind of already. And even more with Scotty Barnes and Josh Giddy and Kaminga having potential and stuff like that. Just an absolutely stacked draft class. I agree. I think this is, it could potentially go down as one of the best for the last 25 years. Um, I don't think that's crazy. I haven't, I've, I've started to do my homework now on next year's draft class and I'm not nearly as excited about most of those guys as I have, as I was for this draft. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, there's, there's opportunities for a lot of these guys to be multi-time all-star multi-time all NBA making all defensive teams. Um, there's so much potential out of these you know, the top seven guys minus Jalen Suggs for the most part. Um, They have really, really promising careers. And then the fact that we can name a dozen guys after that that have been pretty solid also and will likely have multi-year long careers after their rookie contracts are up. um, I have been happy with all the rookies I've watched. Yeah, and I think we've been spoiled since we started the podcast with the draft classes that we've covered. I mean, the 2020 had LaMelo, Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, and just like a slew of role players that are just going to be in the league for a really long time. And it looks like this draft class is going to have like the next generation of stars or superstars. Um, Like you said, next year's draft, I'm not like, there's not as high ceiling potential as this one, I don't think. Um, but there are still some players that I really, really like just to like fill in roles or potentially complement some other players. Definitely. Yeah. But even like, you know, just for a sneak peek, when we talk about this, Jabari Smith is not a guy I expect to be the number one option on a team, maybe catching and sh- catching and shooting. Maybe he takes the most field goal attempts, but he's not the dude who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, Cade Mobley, Jalen green, all Scotty Barnes, they can all have the ball in their hands a lot and the team can be pretty happy with how it works out. Yes. I'm in total agreement with you. There's, there's really not a bunch of like number one options that I see in the next draft. I think the four players you just mentioned can all be number one options at some point in time in their career. Like with Jalen Green, a little bit, we'll see, but those three other guys for sure. Yeah. 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 Who knows with Jalen Green, but we've been over that. We'll we'll have to see. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. I know this was a little bit of a long one, but we wanted to update you on a whole season long of rookie performances that maybe we haven't shined some light on specific players and stuff like that. So Ben, do you have anything else to say before we get on out of here? This was definitely longer than I thought it was going to be, but I enjoyed it. If you guys like draft stuff and rookie stuff, we like doing it. Um, And we can definitely make tons of videos like this. Yeah. So get ready for the 2022 draft. I think me and Ben will probably have some content up about that in the next few weeks. Um, we still have quite a bit of homework to do and the playoffs are obviously starting in 12 days. So um, you'll get some 2022 stuff relatively soon. So definitely. Thank you guys for watching. Peace out.